0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to The Cheapest Meal presented by Deep Fried Draft. My name is Brian Bosard. Got a great show today. We're going to talk some SEC and NFL draft with uh, a member of the Draft Network, and let's bring him in now. He is the COO and senior NFL draft analyst for the Draft Network, and he is the co host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. He's on the SEC beat this year. His name is John Ledger John. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, Brian. I
1: appreciate it. Hey man, thanks for time. I know you got a busy schedule today, so I'm just thankful that you took the time out. Uh I got to tell you though, I'm a little worried. Uh you need you got to not changing jobs on me. I've had four guys that have uh, announced new gigs like the week after uh they did this podcast. <laughs> so you got anything you need to tell everybody? Uh, no yeah i mean i guess
0: i guess it was beforehand i guess so the
1: foreshadowing of me being on this
0: podcast got me to the job with the draft network a couple months beforehand. maybe that was maybe that was it
1: maybe so i mean joe marino was on the week the next week the draft networks announced uh reef Hassan was on <laughs> last week the next day he joined the athletic i mean it just i don't i don't know uh, what's going on but uh <laughs> uh, before we get into everything else, just tell tell me a little bit. Uh, how did the draft network come together? Yeah, so it really started with
0: Trevor and myself. Uh, Trevor Sickelman and myself talking. You know, he's my co host on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, and just talking about the space and n- needing kind of a fully comprehensive draft site. You know, with kind of offered a little bit of everything uh, for different types of draft fans in the draft, and how it was growing in popularity. And we'd seen almost all avenues of football coverage really just get oversaturated and we felt like the draft was kind of the one area that really needed much better coverage, much more comprehensive coverage, you know, some interactive stuff for fans, you know, just, we thought it was just an area where fans were were asking for more. And we thought that the numbers of different sites that we've been at and uh, our podcast growth and where we ranked in iTunes and all that kind of stuff kind of convinced us that this audience is out there. So, you know, we, start looking around and didn't take long to find somebody worth investing in a project like that. And obviously Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, I worked with them in NDT. So it was you know, a piece of cake talking to those guys. They were all about doing something like this and being able to do it full time, I think is, was the real attraction, obviously, because in the past, it's like you're working 10 different jobs, you know, writing jobs, trying to stay afloat plus a regular job. And, you know, just kind of trying to put your name out there and wait for an opportunity. So the ability to just kind of be full time and focus on one thing and just doing it really, really well uh, was really attractive to all of us and, and one of the big reasons why it's worked out as well as it has. And, you know, we're obviously – we're still learning stuff and figuring stuff out, but, you know, what we've got in store for draft season, what we're lining up right now and over the next couple months, I think is really, really going to be exciting for draft fans.
1: I know. I've loved the content so far. I mean, it's it's very expansive, especially with the Power Five uh, the power five breakdowns that you guys have, uh, it's just, it's been excellent stuff so far. Um, I got to tell you though, I knew I had to have you on this podcast. Once I saw you singing the praises of the, uh, South, several South Carolina Gamecock players. Uh, it it is what it is. I'm a Gamecocks homer and, and, and that's not going (laughs) to change. So, uh, Let's 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 talk about a couple of those guys right quick, and, and tell everybody why you like uh, somebody like Debo Samuel, wide receiver, so much.
0: Oh man, I just think you know when you look at and you talk about playmakers, you know that's the guy that can do it in multiple ways. And when you have guys that can do that, those kind of things in multiple ways, I you know I don't overthink those types of players. You know, people will say, oh, is he a great athlete? the guy just gets football. I think he's a fine athlete. I don't think he's an elite athlete, but if he were a bad athlete, yeah, I would have concerns, but I don't expect him to test like that. I think he'll test fine. I don't think he'll be elite, but I think he'll be good. Um, and I think that just understanding football angles, timing, cuts, spacing, you know, just has a great natural feel. You know, he was just one of those guys where you watch him, and it's just so easy to see the football second nature to him. You know, he's just very, very good at it. So, you know, there's going to be Steve Smith comps out there. There's going to be Jarvis Landry comps out there. There's going to be even comps to DJ Moore stylistically, at least from last year's draft. I get all those, and I think there's some validity in a lot of those comparisons. But you know, Samuel is the guy with the ball in his hands that can make things happen. Consistently won at the catch point, despite not being the biggest receiver. Terrific body positioning. His hands are so strong, able to play through contact really well. And I think there's enough speed in there, too, to be able to win in the vertical game, especially when you – his ability – when you take into account his ability to adjust and go find the football and make plays on it. So, to me, really, when I watched Debo Samuel, I just thought playmaker all over the field, especially short to intermediate, able to separate in his routes. You know, uh, I think Golden Tate makes some sense, but I think Samuel may be even more explosive than Golden Tate uh, in some ways, better at the catch point, I would say, let's say that, uh, than Golden Tate. Um, And so I think that there are – you know, he has a chance to be even maybe a better version of Tate in my mind.
1: I've seen you talk about their corner, Rashad Fenton. I love him. I also like uh, T.J. Brunson a lot. I know you brought him up. But here's a guy I haven't seen you mention, it's interior defensive lineman Javon Kinlaw. His JUCO transfer came in at about 340. Now he's down to 305, rock solid. I, I think he's going to be a, a player to watch uh, for this year.
0: Yeah, they've always had some guys that pop out to me on the defensive side of the ball at some point in the draft process. No, so I haven't taken a good, hard look at him yet. But last year it was Taylor Stallworth late. I was like, this is a guy I would get late. Or I'd bring an undrafted free agent, just a hustler, hard worker. You know, I thought that there were definitely things about his game that needed to be cleaned up. But I thought here's a guy that could maybe develop, and at the very least put him on a practice squad, develop a little more refinement to his game, and just how hard he plays. And, and okay, I don't know he didn't test well, but an okay athlete. I think you could get something out of him as a rotational guy up front. Uh, so he was a guy I like I mean Sky Moore was a guy like he went undrafted, but he's a guy I was like, I he think he can start in Indianapolis. Personally I had him higher than Darius Leonard um on my board for the, the guy that Colts took in the second round. So, you know, I know the injuries and off field stuff were a concern with Sky, but I think that though you know, there's those types of guys are kinda of there floating around. a tough I not a lot of success in recent years, but they've still been able to develop and uh, there's been some guys either later in the draft that uh, I've liked in the past couple of years uh, from that defense, so I'll have to give Ken Law a look as
1: well. Um, last thing before I bore everybody talking about South Carolina, uh, tell me that they can beat Georgia in week two. Humor me. Uh, well,
0: I think Georgia's going to win the national championship, so <laughs> I don't know if I could go that far. <laughs> but I will, <laughs> I'll say this: I think South Carolina is very talented. And I, I wrote about that. I said that on Twitter. I think this is a team that can make a little bit of noise this season, certainly more now. I just don't trust Jake Bentley yet. Tools are certainly there. And uh, Brian Edwards and Debo Samuel are as good as any receiver, tandem, including what what's there at Ole Miss. They're as good as any receiving group in the league uh, in college football right now, in my opinion. You know, I think that, that those two are, are really dynamic. So he has the targets, you know, shy and some of those other guys that are there too. I mean, there's so much talent just in that, on that offense. The Bentley doesn't have to be great. And they've got a couple guys worth looking at on the offensive line as well. And that group's got to come together for sure. But there's talent offensively. I think there's enough talent defensively too uh, to do some nice things. Now, are they going to be the best team or anything like that? I don't know. But can they give Georgia a game? I think they can give Georgia a game. early. Absolutely, I think they can give them a game.
1: All right. Let's move on to uh, a slightly better uh, talented, slightly more talented team, the Alabama Crips tie the defending national champions. Against Louisville, who's starting at quarterback? Jalen Hurts, Tua, Tua Tagovailoa.
0: Tua's starting,
1: uh, although I
0: will say I think we definitely all need to just relax a little bit on the Tua hype train. I know he played in some garbage duty last year, you know, when games were already decided, and then came in the national championship game, and the, the result is really what reflects in people's mind. But, really, he wasn't very good in that game. You know, that was kind of – the, a couple, I mean, so many lucky bounces when Alabama's game in that way. I mean, it was an incredible, incredible football game to watch. You know, as a fan, as a, as a Georgia fan, I just feel like you had to be absolutely sick because you two have really, I mean, he threw a touchdown and he wasn't even thrown to the receiver he threw to um, earlier in the game. And then obviously the game winner, he threw, and that was a great pass. But another, again, another blown coverage and you have to go back to the ball, bouncing off somebody's helmet uh, and one day, right into Rayquan Davis's arms. Yeah, I mean, they were just on and on and on the amount of things that, that three Georgia players having two are wrapped up for a big sack on third down near midfield, and all, they all run into each other and knock each other off the tackle, and Tua gets away, runs for a first down, Alabama scores on that drive. There were just so many things in that game that went Alabama's way, and if the result is different, really, we're not that excited about Tua. I remember he threw the interception to DeAndre Baker. It just wasn't a great overall performance by him, but the result is what resonates in people's minds, and so... He's, I think, leading Heisman odds right now per Bovada. So, I mean, the the hype has really kind of gotten out of control with him. I will say this, I think he's definitely better than Jalen Hurts, and I'm not a Jalen Hurts fan whatsoever. And he uh, can also make things happen with his legs like Hurts can. So, to me, he's the obvious choice to start. I think there's more upside there as well as there was with Hurts. So, I'm not saying he can't be good. I'm just saying that based on what we've seen so far, I think the hype is a little bit out of control for him because he really had a lot to work on based on – what we saw on tape from him last year. And so, obviously, great team around him, receivers, everything. I mean, the whole team, offensive line, I think they returned four or five starters. So, that group in general, just, you know, dynamic, dynamic football team, obviously. Defensively, I don't think they're quite the power they've been in the past. Got to have basically an entirely new starting secondary. So, I mean, that's every year for them, though. But I don't know that these guys are quite as ready to play as some of the other guys before them. I guarantee that they'll figure it out by the end of the season, though, and be playing their best football.
1: Are they going to have another three or four first-round picks this year?
0: I think Mac Wilson is one. Raquan Davis is one. I'm trying to think. Um, Anthony Jennings is probably a later round guy. Probably a mid-round guy. I want to say maybe round two. I could see. You know, Ryan Anderson went round two, and he was a round four guy in my opinion. So I feel like there's always that chance. Alabama guys go a little bit higher. De- Deontay Thompson, the safety, is one I think. Could work his way into that first round conversation. So, yeah, three in the first round wouldn't surprise me. I don't think Damian Harris is getting there. The corners, their top three corners, haven't played like at all. I mean, Trevon Diggs has played more than Savion Smith and Shaheem Carter, but all those guys have NFL potential. They're five star guys and you know four star guys, big profiles, great size, speed, and everything like that as they're billing. But we just haven't seen them on the field. So, you know, I think they could all be guys that really get on our radar this season. But right now there's just nothing to really say about them because they've barely played. I mean Dick's a pretty good guy, I guess you could say that. But so there's a lot of unknowns still with the Bama guys. But you know, guys like Isaiah Bugs and Freddie Jennings, I think those guys are probably mid closer to mid round type of guys, day two, early day three uh range and some of the offensive linemen as well and then Jonah Williams. So my my bet is you see Jonah Williams, Raekwon Davis, and I think Mac Wilson can get into the first round as well. And then we'll see with Deontay Thompson. He's the guy that I'll have my eye on too to see if he can work his way into that conversation with the other guys.
1: Um, last thing on Alabama. Uh, every year they always lose one game that they're not expected to lose because nobody ever expects them to lose. Who's going to Who's going to be the team this year that gets them?
0: Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I have to even look at their schedule to see who all that they're playing, but. I mean, on the top of my head, the teams that I feel like are better than them are Georgia and Alabama, but they don't play Georgia in the regular season, do they? I don't no, believe so. They do not. Right. So I think yeah. that uh, to me, when you look at the West, I don't think Auburn's what they've been in the past. I mean, they lost a ton of people. I mean, they lost their run their running game completely. Cam Martin's their best back, and he's a little guy. It's going to be a very different group. They lost some offensive linemen up front. So I don't know that they're really going to challenge him. you lost everybody. LSU's leading returning receivers, tight end Foster Moreau, had like 200 yards receiving last year. Their leading returning rusher is that Brissette guy. He had like 94 yards rushing last year. You know, they have a new quarterback in Joe Burrow if he wins that starting job. So, I mean, there's just a ton of unknown there. Um, the offensive line's still pretty young. They didn't play very well last year, so they'll need to take a big step forward. So, you know, it's it, it really is – set up nicely for Alabama if they aren't quite as good as they've been in the past to still be able to take command of that division. Now the team that I'd look out for is Mississippi state. I think that's the team that if there was a team that could give them trouble in the trenches somewhat on both sides of the ball, I think those guys are pretty well coached in the offensive line. And I think that if you look at that defensive line with Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat, that's the group I think that could challenge some of what Alabama does up front offensively and have some success against them. There's probably three or four NFL guys on that Mississippi State front seven. So I think that might be the team to look out for and say, okay, these guys could probably give Alabama some issues this season.
1: Mississippi State is the most common answer I've received when I've asked this question of other people. A lot of people cite that they play the LSU, they play them the week after they play LSU, and that's always generally a more physical game. And then you play Mississippi State. I want to believe it's on the road. I want to say it's in Starkville, but I'd have mm-hmm. to double-check on that. Um, let's go – we talked. just mentioned Mississippi State. Let's go uh, upstate of them to Oxford. And you guys over at the Draft Network, y'all love you some old Miss receivers. So, uh, break, them, break the three <laughs> down for us.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said three because they really are. You know, I think everybody gets hyped about A.J. Brown and – D.J. Metcalf starting to take off a little bit just because people who look and move like he do, you know, they tend to take off a little bit around draft season. Uh, and then DeMarcus Lodge is a guy that kind of gets forgotten. But I think if you ask Ole Miss coaches, who's the guy they count on the most? I think they'd say DeMarcus Lodge. You know, he was the guy that they targeted in important situations. He's a big play vertical throw on the outside. He's the guy that doesn't come off the field. And I think that, they rely on him to get off press coverage. You know, he played up. He manned up against Greedy Williams, and he won that battle. I mean, man, that's the best corner in college football. Most people would tell you. So, I think Demarcus Lodge is a really a top 50 type of receiver. Uh, he needs to catch the ball better. You know, he he has plays where he makes amazing catches outside his frame, and then there's too many drops. There's too many lacks of finishes. You know, he would add 200 yards against Greedy if he could have caught the ball more consistently because he did a great job of separating. But his releases are good. He's physical down the field, and his route stems. He has legitimate speed, uh, enough length there. I think he's six, one 195 pounds, probably up to 200 after the season, I think I heard. Uh, he's getting his weight up a little bit. So, yeah, I think that there's a ton of potential there with him uh, to be a really a big play threat in the NFL. And then A.J. Brown, you know, great stuff after the catch. You know, he's a he's guy that can find space in the middle of the field, sit down, turn around, get up field, make people miss. He's a good athlete. Is he a great athlete? Does he have the speed to play on the outside? Does he have the technique in terms of getting off press coverage to play on the outside? He played in the slot all year for Alabama last year. So some people look at his size and they're like, oh, he could definitely play outside. Well, that's not what it's about. It's not about size. Devontae Parker's been a bust in the NFL because he can't get off press coverage. He has great size. He just isn't technically there and he's never developed. So for Brown, I think the big thing is, can he, can he develop in that way? Because all Ole Miss receivers are great at getting off press. You know, DK Metcalf again, absolutely outstanding as a redshirt freshman last year of getting off press and challenging corners right off the line of scrimmage. That's pretty rare at the college level. That's something you don't see developed all too often, but Brown doesn't have to do it because he's hardly ever in man coverage and definitely not in press coverage. So I think that that'll be one of the big question marks with him. Do we see him outside this year? Can he win vertically down the field? A lot of his stuff comes underneath and then there's going to be questions about his athleticism until he runs, I think. Uh, So I think, to me, though all three of those guys have top 50 potential. It wouldn't shock me to see any of the three have the best career. Lodge is probably the most NFL-ready right now. Metcalf, to me, is the highest ceiling for sure, especially if he actually came run in the 4-4s, four like the rumors say. Um, and then Brown is just kind of the guy that's in all the production so far right now. But even if you look at Brown's production, you know, I, have, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I tweeted it out a couple of days ago, like eight of his 11 touchdowns and 740 of his – Twelve hundred yards and like thirty-five catches, something like that, came against three schools that were, you know, little sisters of the poor type of schools. And Vanderbilt, you know, those were the teams you really chewed up. So, I think that though how Brown does against better competition last year, one catch, six yards against Alabama, not much better against LSU, I believe. You know how he does against those types, those top top defensive back groups in the country and how well he separates from man coverage is going to go a long way toward determining just how valuable he is to NFL teams.
1: Good stuff there. Uh, you mentioned beating up on the little sisters of the poor type schools, and that's going to bring me to if the latest odds I've seen of being the number one picker to be believed, Drew Locke, Missouri quarterback, uh, seems to be getting some love to be the number one pick in the draft next year. Uh, every time I watched Drew Locke against a higher competition school, he, he faltered. But against a UConn or somebody like that, he really excelled. Tell me what I'm missing with Drew Locke and why the hype for the number one pick.
0: Well, I think the hype is, you know, he's a quarterback and he has great tools. And that's really all we need at this point in the year. You know, do I think that, on you know, when I watch Drew Locke, do I think this guy – should be mentioned with the other great quarterbacks have been number one overall picks, you know, the Andrew Locke's no way. I mean, I think there's a lot of promise Drew Locke. I really like him. Do I think that level of things? No, I just don't see him on that level as a player. Now I'm excited to see what happens this year. His trajectory as a passer has really been interesting. You know, statistically he's improved every single year, but also on tape, he's really improved every single year. And I thought, you know, only 58% completion this past season, but, tons and tons of drops I mean his supporting cast was just pitiful so I think that part of his game is still coming along a little bit in terms of his ability to go down the field win vertically those high degree difficulty throws but mental processing and ability to throw with anticipation I wrote about it um, this past week over at uh, the Draft Network and I think those are big selling points for Drew Locke Um, he's got a do things that are going to be a little more pro-style in terms of his reads and progressions, full field and stuff like that. That's going to happen this year in Derek Dooley's offense. So it's a huge year for his evaluation because that offense is loaded. They have a lot of talent on that group. Uh, They get some people back from injury that's going to help. He gets a pro-style coach, and that was one of the big reasons he actually went back to school Is that he wants to start – Doing some stuff under center and working some NFL like progressions. And so I think that it is kind of an exciting time for Drew Locke. And I know they lost to Georgia, but I think his tape in that game was really good. One of the best defenses in the country. Late in the game against Alabama, the second half, or against Auburn, he came out in the second half and really played well. Some of his best football came in that game. Four of, I would say, four of his 10 best throws in the season came in that Auburn game. He really had some nice performances. So Yes, the stat lines don't look good, but I think that there's more there's more to Drew Locke than meets the eye. I think his supporting cast really let him down. And this is the year where we find out kind of what is he capable of in terms of his progress that he's made all three years he's been there. Can he have that Matthew Stafford like leap in his final season to get himself on the map NFL prospect wise? You know, can we can he put some of the accuracy concerns to rest and show teams that those tools are starting to be recognized in a more complete skill set?
1: I do love their tie in. I can't pronounce his name, but I I do like him as a prospect. I just call him Albert O.
0: K. That's all I say.
1: (laughs) Albert O. K. That I'm gonna go with that. Albert O. K. That 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 kid can play. Uh,
0: Yeah.
1: let's let's give me some under the radar SEC prospects that we kinda need to know about.
0: Oh, man, under the radar, guys. Let's go back to Ole Miss. Uh, to me, Dawson Knox is, uh, I think, maybe the best tight end in the country. You know, I think that uh, credible talent. Uh, I think that right now, I wouldn't say super polished, but his routes, I mean, last year was his first year to get on the field for Ole Miss. I mean, as a tight end, he had played special teams the year before, and so there's just a lot to to kind of understand with, with Dawson Knox in terms of his background being a walk-on quarterback at Ole Miss and, you know, those things take a little bit of time, the technical aspects of the game, but I uh, mean, Chase Goodbread wrote the other day, he runs a 4.5.9.40, jumps 37.5 inches in the vert. Uh, I think his hands are so natural, his ability to adjust and go outside his frame for great catches. And, you know, I just think he's, he's a very exciting football player to me because not many guys at 6.4.250 can move like he does, catch the ball like he does, both going low, both going high, going outside his frame, making tough adjustments. Yeah, the routes need to improve a little bit, but I still think he showed really good flashes. Uh, when he was working against man coverage that were exciting. Um, I think he has that potential to be a first round guy. I know we already mentioned the three receivers that's having top 50 type potential. I think and Ox is right there with them. I mean, I, it won't happen because something always comes up that prevents these things. It feels like, but to me, it seems like Ole Miss, when I watch him has four guys that with top 50 potential in that passing. Group. So I think they're just kind of loaded with talent in that way. And then, Um, I was trying to think of other guys. SEC gets talked about a lot, so true under-the-radar guys are maybe a little bit hard to find, but nobody's really talking about Daryl Taylor, defensive end from Tennessee. I think he's had some off-field stuff in the past, but man, he's explosive, and he's an exciting guy. Not many guys you see the natural bend and pad level. I think that he's a guy that can put himself on the radar this season. You know, he needs to improve some things technically and developing a pass-rush plan, but I saw natural tools with Daryl Taylor, and really haven't seen anybody talk about him. So uh, I think he's one of those guys that could put himself on the map this season in the SEC with a strong year.
1: You mentioned earlier that you thought A.J. Brown, wide receiver from Ole Miss, is a bit overhyped. Anybody else you got Mm -hmm. that feeling about in the SEC?
0: Well, I think Damien Harris, in some ways, by fans, is is overhyped. Not that he isn't a good player. When you think about what the NFL values of the position – three-down ability, space ability. You know, I don't think he's ever proven to be a great receiver at Alabama. He's not a very good pass protector, and there's not a lot of home run ability either with this game. So I think fan, fans are going to really say he's one of those solid, high second-round picks. I think the NFL is going to say, eh, we like him more toward round three to four type of range. And so I think people will kind of value him more than illegal just because I'm not sure that I really see a lot of special traits with him. Um, there's a couple guys in the interior defensive line. I think Derek Brown for Auburn, I just don't see it with him at all right now. I think he needs a lot of development, um, plays way too high, doesn't play like the athlete he's been built at. Great size, but doesn't use his hands at all times. Uh, Dalen Mack from Texas A&M has got kind of in that same boot Kind of explosive in his first step for a guy his size. I mean, six foot three twenty, but just kind of sloppy with his technique. Doesn't use his hands at all the time. So there's some work needed for this SEC D line to kind of get to where they need to be hype wise, and then. You know, I'll say Devin White and Greedy Williams, as much as I really like them both, and Greedy will probably be a top five guy for me uh, in, my, in my preseason top 50 board that comes out this week. But I think that Greedy has some things he really needs to work on and show this season. Uh, and I think Devin White, too. You know, mental processing is a big part of playing linebacker. And, yes, he has the raw tools that NFL teams love at the position, but he has to prove that he can kind of trigger and play downhill and read his keys and, you know, flash in those types of ways as well. So, you know, those guys. Uh, Jarrett Stidham, to me, is I think every time Auburn needed Jarrett Stidham to step up and be the guy last season, he was not. Uh, the, late in the game against LSU, late in the game against Georgia in the SEC championship game, he really faltered. So, to me, he's another guy that I just I'm not sure that it's there in terms of between the ears and kind of the the uh, under fire play that teams are going to really want to see from Stidham. Yeah, the tools are fine. I think his tool set's solid, but I think the other stuff just leaves you wanting a little bit more to me. He didn't feel like a gamer Uh, and if Auburn was going to win, he was kind of the last guy they needed to really play well in order to win just a very game manager type player. And so I, this is a big season for him, you know, that could change There, tons of receivers and they lost all their backs. So, you know, I think maybe they do open it up and throw the ball a little bit more, but As of right now, I think that that's – he's a little bit overhyped in terms of being in the same conversation with with Drew Locke and Justin Herbert and some of those other top quarterbacks.
1: Good stuff there. Uh, John, hopefully I'll get to meet you hit this year at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I don't think I've been introduced to you before, so uh, I'll I'll definitely make a point uh, when I see you in my hometown of Mobile here in January.
0: Absolutely, man. I can't wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to it already.
1: John, tell everybody where we can find your work.
0: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ledyard NFL draft, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D-NFL Draft. And then you can find most of my work over at thedraftnetwork.com, as well as the Locked On NFL Draft podcast five days a week with Trevor Sikma year-round. We're talking NFL Draft Monday through Friday. We have a lot of fun. We talk NFL Draft college football. We talk NFL preseason rookies, all that kind of stuff. So we just have a good time on the show. So, yeah, if you're interested, check out the Draft Network and Locked On NFL Draft.
1: It's good stuff there. John, thanks again for taking your time out of your Saturday uh, to do the cheapest meal.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. That was John Ledyard of the Draft Network. Uh, we talked all things SEC. He's on the SEC beat for the Draft Network this year, and he does a, just excellent work over there, as do all the other guys. Um uh, at the Draft Network. Uh, his podcast, The Locked On NFL Draft, uh, Locked On NFL Draft, good stuff. Listen to it all the time. Uh, and I would suggest everybody listen to it as well. That's going to do it for today's edition of The Cheapest Meal. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Draft. You can find this podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, and at Blog Talk Radio by searching for Deep Fried Draft. Thanks, everybody. Uh, find all my work, as always, new position rankings and uh, top 100 coming up this week at deepfrieddraft.com. Follow me there. Find the work. Listen to the podcast. It's all great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time.